What is up, IDP Army? What is up, fantasy football fanatics? It's your man Jordan Reigns at 50 Shades of Drunk. You already know. But I am joined today by an old friend, one of the OGs of the Dynasty Streets, one of the OGs of the Twitter Streets. How's it going, Scott? Tell the people what's up. Jordan, glad to be back, man. It's been a couple of years. Uh, we've interacted for a long time, and uh, Twitter can be a really toxic place sometimes. So I think we've both probably taken some time away and not been. I, I remember even like five years ago, going back and forth with you on different topics, a lot of IDP stuff when I was back doing IDP regularly, too, ma too many IDP leagues. Uh, no but I just thing. no such thing. Not no such you thing. Hang out with Shane too much. That's Shane talking right there. It, until until you got to pick your priorities. I still play, but I I don't take it to the degree that I used to. I had to give something up, and I didn't want to admit it to you. But IDP oh, was one of those things where I'm like, man, I, I just it, it's too much to keep up with. Then you get into Devi, and you're playing college fantasy and DFS. I mean, there's just so much stuff. But Glad to be here, man. Like I said, Twitter can be toxic, but we've had some great interactions. Always happy to come on and chat with you. Uh, we we literally hadn't done this for two years, and we got on here and just talking like we just talked last week. So looking yeah, forward yeah, to well, it. I mean, and this, this is a fun time in Dynasty, too, because it's we don't know anything for this upcoming year, but we think we know a lot that's going to happen in the next like two months. And we might look back on this show in like July and go, wow, that was a terrible take. Oh, that was definitely. so wrong. But, but there's that's not, those aren't the ones we'll highlight. We're going to come back and we're going to find the one nugget. We'll be like, look at this. At least I will. I don't know about you. Yeah. Oh, make <laughs> no, me look I, good, I, man. Make me look good. If I say anything that comes true in a year from now, blast it out there. I'll be happy to publicize it or retweet it. Hell to the yeah. Yeah, I think our first show I ever did, more like the very first show I ever did in fantasy, I think was with you and like that crazy dude, IDP tipster, who I kind of like kind of got rolled into with early on. Honestly, getting mixed up with him and that other guy I was with, Jared Gray, kind of hamstrung me right out the gates. And then being an IDP person, hamstrung me the other way. But I'm just like, man, I'm a fighter. Like, let's go. Like, let, drop the challenge on my shoulders. We're going to take IDP to the mainstream. Scott's, you know, he's falling off a little bit, guys, but it's okay. Get in his, his mentions, you know, let him know. We'll welcome him back with open arms. He actually messaged me before we got on. was like, I want to pick your brain about some IDP stuff. So I threw together a couple of names for him to keep an eye on in the IDP leagues he's maybe still in that he can grab this year that I think maybe will go forward. Um, but, yeah, we are going to talk about the NFL Combine risers and fallers because that's what just happened, the NFL Combine. This is the last big event in the sort of nfl media entertainment cycle that is not the draft and you know camp and then football so um, well we got free agency so i guess that is like a thing i was gonna say man that free agency week has become like true it, you could almost just put that like live stream on tv for like four <sighs> days in a row I, that is the one week and it's kind of it kind of sucks that it happens during march madness but it's the same week and so that is the week where I'm like, dude, I should just, the last two years, I've just been like, I shouldn't even work this week. I should no, just take those not. days off, you know, just hang around my phone, hang around my computer, constantly have Twitter up. Yet? You're not full-time yeah, dynasty? Uh, I, I have too good of a, a day job to, uh. to give up, to, to go down these streets. But mm. no, it just feels like it's one, that week I'm not very productive because I'm constantly going, hey, what happened next, right? When you create content, you kind of got to have some opinions and takes you can't wait three weeks because then yeah. it's 
it's too late. So, but it is yeah. a fun week, man. That it is definitely a calendar week now for NFL free agency. That's the crazy thing about what we do. And before we even get into the football at all, like I like having this conversation with you because you're one of the few people that understands the industry and kind of sees it. I would say I don't want to call myself a pessimist because like I, I think I'm just a realist. Like I just call shit how I see it. And it's like the NFL media entertainment machine and cycle is perfect because the season runs just so long. And then you have the senior bowl and then you have it's literally a handful of weeks and then you're going to the combine and then literally the combine just ended what yesterday we're 11 days away from the free agency hitting and we've already got guys you know in the legal tampering so stuff's happening the cycle for the nfl never really ends and then you get to the draft and then when you get there and then they layer that into the the HBO hard knocks. They layer that into these media deals with um, Amazon with, you know, what is the show that Amazon has all or nothing. And it's just like, it never stops. Like the, the season never stops. And we're here talking about dynasty because this segment of what the NFL media machine is, we talk about it because it matters. These pieces matter to what we do. It's really a fascinating, fascinating thing. It almost makes it like kind of redundant sometimes to re revisit the same issues. But on the on the flip side, once you kind of understand the cycles and again, if you have a, a skeptical or pessimistic eye, I feel like you kind of learn you learn a lot. You know what I mean? Because you just kind of, again you call like, oh, this was good, this was bad, or whatever. So I'm really enjoying this uh, this cycle. Let's go ahead and talk about the biggest riser, Anthony Richardson, you know, talk about the, the swaying of, you know, our mind from the combine to boom free agency. Two weeks ago, you know, Anthony Richardson was a, you know, a, a, a set piece, you know, we might talk about him a little bit, but he went to the combine and blew it up. So I wanted to hear just your general thoughts on Mr. Anthony Richardson and what do you think about this, these quarterbacks overall from the combine? So I'll say this. Even before the combine, I was definitely Anthony Richardson at the 103. So he was already QB2 for me, just simply because I didn't buy into the, you know, Bryce Young, he's 5'10". He doesn't play at 200 pounds despite him weighing in there. Like, I, that's an outlier. So I already was picking Anthony Richardson in any mock draft that I did. Like, he was there at 103. So it's not a major move up for him, but I think the combine... A, solidified him from an NFL perspective. Like, you didn't hear a negative thing about him all weekend. How he talked, how he interviewed, everything. So, I mean, I think the NFL, you, there is not the narrative anymore of he might slip in the draft, right? Like, I think it's almost a, a lock that he goes in the top 10. Now, we don't know where. 101, 108, 109, 106. But we don't care anymore. That was a question. You still saw him in mock drafts even a week ago. Uh, 118. 121. Yeah, that's not going to happen anymore. He's going to go in the top 10. So we can cross any of those doubts out. I think the second thing is, and this is the bigger point, it's not just Richardson. C.J. Stroud was impressive. Bryce Young did what he needed, and he's probably the favorite to go as the first quarterback off the board, barring somebody doesn't trade up ahead of Houston and take somebody else. But like he did everything you would want him to do. And then even you looking at like Will Levis, he's like the stepchild of the quarterback class, but you the package all together you're going okay he's probably still going to go in the top six top 10 picks so it's one of those classes and i think it comes at a perfect time we had a bad quarterback class last year and we have an eroding quarterback landscape and dynasty to where outside of the top it's top nine for me so you got mahomes allen hurts burrow herbert lawrence fields jackson watson after that 
it's a drop. And I think after that is where you start going, okay, we need some new blood coming in. And this is the perfect time for it. Does everybody after that, you know, you got Kyler, but he's got a torn ACL. You got Dak Prescott. He's got a new offense with Brian Schottenheimer. I'm not sure what his ceiling is anymore. Trey Lance, who knows what he is going to be. So I think it comes at a perfect time. And we we need this quarterback class just to be in the mix, right? Doesn't mean all four of them are going to hit. Maybe only one of the four actually ends up hitting like Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields level. But it comes at a perfect time. For at least having those picks, it, it's going to be fun to navigate the waters because this combine was awesome for all the quarterbacks to where they're probably all four in the top six or seven picks of rookie drafts now. No exceptions. Yeah, they need, you know, in super flex, you know, again, uh, the landscape's different. You know, last year, this year, the conversation seems to be that it's okay to take Bijan at 101, even in super flex. You know, last year, there was a conversation around taking, or two years ago, there was a conversation around taking um, Kyle Pitts at the 101, uh, you know, in super flex. You know, three, four years ago, that was absolute heresy. Like, they would take you outside and burn you at the stake, tar and feather you, send you out of here. But we seem to be, again, you know, more open-minded now to roster construction and the value of, you know, who is actually going to help your team. You know, there may be a consensus player, but where we, I think the, the, the market and the understanding of how fantasy works just in general has allowed us to understand that there's a little bit, maybe more than one way to skin a cat. I want to say something because I'm a part of your Patreon. You're part of our Patreon, which we appreciate. Um, and I listened to your one of your shows, I think it was like a week or two ago, and it was about strategy for drafting in a super flex um, draft. I think it was a startup. And you were a big supporter of trading up into the top eight to make sure you got two of the top eight quarterbacks who you all just named off there. Now you have nine, it sounds like. Kyler's fallen out of the conversation. Um, I love that because, uh, you know, another thing in fantasy, I think, is that the quarterback position is becoming a have and a have not place. So it's really like you need one of these. And I had Weapon X actually written in his notes, but I took it out. But it's like that's how I feel like Anthony Richardson, Cam Newton, Josh Allen, Justin uh, Field, you know, Lamar Jackson, once upon a time, in my opinion, uh, Kyler Murray, sometimes um, these guys that maybe they're not going to throw for 350 yards you know as a perfect pocket passer but on third and four you've got that extra thing that those other guys don't have and not only that you are inclined to use it in today's nfl whereas before you were inclined to get rid of that shit. so we're coming into this system where we like there's a reason everybody from the fantasy to the nfl community's chops are suddenly licking because we see what you know, Justin Fields is athletic and all that. He's a skinny boy. He's, I mean, he, he's a skinny dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lamar Jackson's a little beefy, but even when he was early in the NFL, this kid looks like he's already Cam Newton. You know what I mean? Like, that, and we know the kind of upside that takes. And with these rookie contracts, what that what kind of upside you can build around him. So I think that, yeah, I think he can immediately kind of be one of these plug-and-play guys this next year. I imagine whoever takes him is going to play him. It's not a Kenny Pickett you know, first quarterback, Malik Willis. This isn't that class. Pretend last year never happened. This shit, we should be right back up on those ponies with a handful of these guys. And I think Richardson's it. Um, so let's have here, they stole a show. So I had a this or that. So I want to do a this or that just to see kind of where you are on, you know, this quarterback or that quarterback. So these are all kind of guys who fit the weapon X mold. 
obviously they are in the NFL with varying levels of uh, participation. But so this or that, Trey Lance or Anthony Richardson, who would you rather have, Scott, in Dynasty? I would take Will Levis over Trey Lance. So it is easily Anthony Richardson. All right, Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I think Trey Lance, you know, I don't know if you have a take on Trey Lance, but my take on Trey Lance is it's there's there's so many red flags at this point. I'm thankful to everybody in the rookie drafts that like I think I had a lot of 104s and 105s that year. Like everybody took him right in front of me. And I'm so thankful. So glad those are y'all's problems. And I'm glad they're staying y'all's problems because I'm not even buying the dip. I've seen people say buy the dip. I want to see it first. Uh, at this point, I want to see it. So Anthony Richardson, I just saw something special from him. So I am inclined to go with you there as well. So glad we are lockstep. All right. Next guy in this or that weapon XQB, Kyler Murray or Anthony Richardson. And my Kyler Murray take is that Kyler Murray is fucking trash. Um, that's a I just that's just what I believe from what I've watched him play these last few years. He's got a bad attitude. I think that he is not really a playmaker. I think he can sometimes do really cool stuff. Um, but I think a lot more times he, you know, looks like he's slipping on a banana peel and he's like, what the heck, man? What the heck, guys? And the whole like, oh, get him weapons. He's had a new weapon brought in every single year he's been there. Zach Ertz, DeAndre Hopkins, James Conner, Chase Edmonds. Marquise Brown, they brought him everything he wanted. And he still is just like underwhelming to me. Now, in fantasy world, a lot of people are like, oh, he's so amazing. Uh, but I'm like, yeah, he, he can rush for seven or 800 yards. We got guys that are going for a thousand now, okay? Like on the regular. And these guys can throw for maybe 4K. Um, so I, I, I wonder what your thoughts are, Richardson or Kyler Murray. And do you have a Kyler Murray take? I think it's easily Richardson, and I, I do agree with some of the stuff he said about Kyler. I, I think he's probably gotten a little bit of a bad rap, but you can't ignore the situation around him, which impacts his dynasty value. Like, the one good thing he has going for him, and this probably isn't what you want to have as the feather in the cap for the one asset that you have for you, is the fact that your team is stuck with you. Like, that is the narrative you hear about Kyler Murray. Well, he's going to be a quarterback in the NFL for the next four or five years, which I think is true. I don't buy the, hey, he's going to quit and go play baseball. Anybody that knows about the economics of sport, he's already reached the point you want to get to, to where you would go, okay, I'd rather play football than baseball, right? Like, it's real hard to make money in baseball until mm -hmm. you're four, five, six years in. And he's almost too late to do that. He may take a shot at it later on in his career, but he's hit the ultimate point in football, right? He got a super max contract as a quarterback. And as long as he's competent, you got Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Geno Smith getting 40 million a year. So as long as he's he's competent, he's gonna continue to make money until he literally like washes out of the league because nobody wants to be around him anymore. And there's still guys, you know. Carson Wentz is going to get another chance. Not maybe not as a starter, but you know what? He's going to be making 10 million a year just to be there. So I think Kyler is at a point where he's going to have lasting power, but I do agree that he's fallen to a point where it's it's not just the running ability which has slowed down since his second year. Like he's become more of a pocket passer. He's a good passer. I'm not I'm not going to hate on him for that. He doesn't have the upside. He has the injury. He has a new regime that who the hell knows if they want him or not. They can pretend like they do, but they have to say that because he's going to be there for at least two more years mm -hmm. where they can't move his deal. 
So I think I'm okay pivoting off of him. I, truthfully, just to expand it a little bit, I would take CJ Stroud over Kyler Murray. And that's because I would take the 103 over Kyler Murray. So wherever the, you know, you think the quarterbacks are going to fall, that's probably the line break. But even right now, if I'm sitting at 104 and you're telling me that Stroud and Anthony Richardson are going to be gone, I'm not rushing to send that 104 for Kyler Murray right now. You know, like I'm going, okay, maybe I can sell somebody else on Bryce Young, or maybe I can package this pick up to get somebody else versus, okay, Kyler Murray. So I think I'm lower on him than most and definitely in lockstep with you that he's good, but he's probably QB 12 to 20 for the rest of his career. And he is what he is. I could kiss you right now. People who watch this channel, listen to this podcast, know literally my comp for Kyler Murray the last two years. I say it all the time. His career trajectory will be the exact same as Carson Wentz's because he's locked in with the money, because of the draft capital, and it'll probably be, and this is always my caveat, one year shorter because he's black. And that's it. And so far, that is literally panning out. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I want to bring up one other thing about Kyler, and I want to bring up something about metrics and the danger of getting in conversations on Twitter with people who are smart. I got into a conversation uh, with a guy last year about Kyler. This same conversation, I was just like, I watch the football too. Some of these people don't even watch football, which is crazy to me that they have these strong-ass takes. I'm like, you do not watch the games. Like That's very obvious in the conversation we're having. Um, but they, the, the, the number one metric that everybody touted for Kyler Murray this last offseason was he was the most accurate downfield passer in all of football. And I was like, yeah, guess what happens when every player that isn't somebody that's confirming your priors does that? You go screaming outlier. You go screaming that's in pause. You can't do it again. Blah, blah, blah. I found it so funny and also very vindicating, um, or I don't know what the right word is, validating, that Kyler Murray was the least efficient deep ball passer in football this year. And I was just like, yeah, like, what, like, can you just like, again, look with your eyes. Like it was never really that good, you know? So if, if you, if you really pay attention, if you can be a little scrutinizing, you know, you don't have to buy what the NFL media tells you, you know what I mean? Like we can build our own narratives here on YouTube. Nobody's going to stop us here on this podcast, Scott. We can't be stopped. We're mad men. All right. No, we're not mad men. All right. Let's go ahead and do the next Trey Lance, this or that. Let me pull that back into the screen. This one is a fun one. Lamar Jackson or uh, Anthony Richardson? I want to hear your take before you hear mine. In a year, we could look back and go, man, why didn't I just take the next Lamar Jackson plus for Lamar Jackson now? I'm still okay taking Lamar Jackson. I, I will say this. Everything we said about Kyler Murray, I think Lamar Jackson is the opposite. He's a good dude. I think he's the one that's probably on the right side of all of these contract talks and... I would love to be a fly on the wall just to hear how those discussions have gone because I know a lot of NFL media have talked about it, but since he doesn't have an agent, they're having to literally look him in the face and go, dude, you're not worth it. And when someone tells me I'm not worth it to my face, I'm building up. I don't even want to say it's anger, but it's building inside of me to where I think there is another pocket of an explosion Not coming sure. from Lamar, Lamar Jackson. It might be a one or two year window where he just blows up again. And then I don't know if he has the lasting power to last until he's, you know, in his mid thirties, but I will say he has enough out there to say he can probably last another five years or so in this high end fantasy space. So I would take him over Anthony Richardson right now. 
but you're really challenging me on this, the top nine quarterbacks, right? Because I think it's more of, I'll take him right now, knowing what he could be over the next year or two. And I'll just worry about it later. But I definitely can see, I don't even think it takes a season. I think it might take a game, a half, a preseason game of Anthony Richardson to go, dude, bruh, uh, you know, (laughs) we're, we're now talking like, Burrow, Herbert, Lawrence level where I would trade for Lamar Jackson yeah. or for Anthony Richardson. And I think those three guys literally could be the next Manning, Brady, Rivers. You know what I mean? Along it's with worth Mahomes. The risk at this point. It's worth, and that's the thing that I feel like you're saying too. It's like these are guys that we would, are, you know, generally consensus. And I, it's interesting that we've spent 20 minutes talking about quarterbacks, but it is important for Dynasty. It's so important, I think, to have powerful quarterbacks to anchor your team around. Yep. Um, they're always movable. People, you know, and people always come sniffing around, even for backup track. My, my dynasty rosters have so, Gardner men's shoes on all of them. Um, I got a hand, Heineke. I mean, you know, get the Mike White. God damn, Mike White want me some money this year. You know what I'm saying? Like, keep these guys around. Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is going to be the next Geno fucking Smith. Just wait. Whenever he gets back on the field with a Pete Carroll in his ear in two or three years, oh, dear God, he's going to rip it. And they'll pay him. You know what I mean? And we'll get, and the narrative will change. You know what I'm saying? We, uh, but, um, I'm kind of digressing, but I'm kind of with you there. I'm a little worried about Lamar as a passer, but I will say that, and that's just because, again, I do look at yardage thrown. Like, I I mean, call me a fucking loser, but I look at total yardage a guy can throw. I know Lamar's accurate. I know he's efficient, blah, blah, blah. What's his output? How many many yards is he taking from the other team's defense in the game through the air? Um, In light of some of the shit that's come out through the combine, uh, about the organization and literally the subtweeting or retweeting or quote tweeting by um oh what's his face uh their wide receiver um Bateman. 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 I now have to I now believe that Lamar Jackson I let's put it this way before I thought we'd seen the best Lamar Jackson we've ever seen I think there's a level of Lamar Jackson that has not been unlocked by the Baltimore Ravens organization. So that has changed just in the past two and three weeks. I've kind of come around to this was the line where I'm like, I might go this way or that way. So again, we're kind of in lockstep there where I'm still in on Lamar. And I I kind of agree with you too, just on a human level, Lamar's a real person. You know, I don't necessarily condone how he's going about this. I think it's probably better ways to do it, but he's doing what he believes is right. And I respect somebody that does that. And he's doing it with a level of conviction where I can't do anything but respect it. He's a smart guy. He knows what the market is. I mean, he's aware of what he's probably worth. And he knows they're probably trying to gaslight him. And you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it can't be good for him right now. But I'm with you. I think he's got, when that pressure gets in there and that spark comes, whenever he gets around somebody that maybe isn't the Baltimore, maybe go to Atlanta. You know what I mean? Give him Kyle Pitts. Oh my God. We saw what he did with Mark Andrews and Drake, you know, and with Arthur Smith. I mean, we could, we, maybe we haven't seen the best Lamar Jackson. So we're, again, we're lockstep there. Um, any final words on Lamar Jackson or Anthony Richards where we scroll down? There's one more. And then we're going to talk about a little bit combine guys, other combine guys. No, I think the, you got to do an assessment of where your tiers are. I mentioned the nine quarterbacks. I still believe in Deshaun Watson. That's another one people see as polarizing. You could also sell me on Anthony Richardson over Justin Fields. But again, you're talking about 
the oh, next that was year. supposed to be my next one. I was supposed to have that in there. Who would you take between those two? Justin Fields. I thought I had it in here. Justin Fields or Anthony Richardson? That for was my me, for me, Fields is the the ninth of that tier. Uh, it's hard for me to go against, like, even though Watson wasn't good the last half of last year, it's hard to go against the career that he put on paper for the first four years. I mean, he was up there. He wasn't Mahomes, but he was as close as you can get. You know, he was in the Burrow, Herbert, Lawrence, that range yep. before those guys existed. So to just say he can never get back there, I'm willing to still bet on that. Fields is the iffy one. We could get here. We could get to week four next year. Anthony Richardson has started a game already, and we're going, I'm taking him over Fields. And there's Deshaun not even a question. Deshaun Watson had my, my dog, Patrick Mahomes, down 24 zip in the playoffs mm -hmm. i like I, we don't forget i the, don't forget the texans have not had a good moment since then exactly so and that was all him everything that ever happened good while he was there was him um i'll give you a little sneak of where he's at in my dynasty rankings right now because i'm pretty high on him i have him at two four i have him at five right now I'm very bullish on him i'm a little bit hesitant on justin herbert um, but but we, we're talking a lot of quarterbacks. I want to talk about some of these other combine players that had big rises. Um, so I'll scroll this down. This name is going to be hard to say, but Andre Iosvasis, wide receiver from Princeton, um, had an incredible athletic testing week of here from ZK ZKants FF on Twitter. Andre, again, I'm just going to call him Andre. Andre had a RAS score of 9.95 out of 10 possible. That is 16 out of 2,705 and 58 wide receivers since 1987. So in, I was at the Senior Bowl, and he caught my eye a lot at the Senior Bowl. He looked fluid. He looked powerful. He looked like he had control of his body. Like, And I, I was a, a kinesiology major at school, so like, I'm kind of like into that stuff, watching guys move and things like that. He checked all the boxes on the eye test. And when this came out, I was just like, oh, my gosh. I know. I don't know if we still care about breakout age. I haven't seen any huge Twitter wars about BMI or breakout age this year yet. I don't know if those are coming or if we need to go back and rewatch those. Um, do those matter? I don't know. Anyway, but he was fucking great. Um, and I have my eye on him already. So he was a big riser for me. Luke Musgrave was another guy who had a really great athletic score. Um, what do you think about those two? Those are the only two pass catchers I have on this list. And any other pass catchers you want to uh, touch on that, that do well with Combine for you? Like, what? who moved for you? Like, did, were there any big movers up or down at wide receiver? Talk to me. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of rain on your parade here a little bit. Do it! So Break I'm going to... Apologies. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna give you some trivia on your own show, okay? Oh God! So th this is a wide receiver that was not quite as athletic as Andre Iasovis, but close, close, really, really good athletic profile. Okay, six two two fifteen, ran a four 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 from an Ivy League school, and got drafted in the fifth round of the NFL draft back in 2018. Now I'm looking at Andre Iasovis as of today, mock draft database, which goes through all the mock information and projects where guys are going to get drafted. It's not perfect, but it's it's fair to give a range. And they have Andre Iasovis uh, right now at pick 503. So that's undrafted in, the, in a lot of spots. That's in the well, it's in the fifth round of the NFL draft, so it's probably a. Uh, a player that qualifies to be in a rookie draft, right? A four-round rookie draft, offense only, qualifies to be probably a fourth-round pick, right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. The guy I'm speaking of, the, the trivia question guy, was picked at 507 in the NFL draft. And I, I didn't realize until you put him on the show sheet and I looked at it like an hour ago, I didn't realize this correlation. And then I looked him up and I'm like, damn. Can you tell me the school? I probably won't get it. He went to Princeton's biggest rival. Who is that? It is a state that has two yeah. NFL teams, Pennsylvania. And he actually was pretty good this year for the first time in his NFL career. Yeah, any idea who I'm thinking of? Ivy I League know. fifth I, rounder. I know him, I know He's on his second team. You probably saw him in the Super Bowl. Okay, now we're talking. Oh, you is think it my guy, Juju? No, you think oh, it's a God. tight end when they throw the ball to him. Because he's a big white boy. And you're going, oh. is that a tight end? You're going, no, that's a wide receiver. Um. Okay, that's going to be Dallas Goddard. No, it's he's on the Chiefs. Okay, big white guy. All in the Is it Kelsey? It's not Kelsey. It's not Kelsey. No, no, he's not a tight end. He's a wide receiver. I can't think of our other wide receivers. We yes. have, we have, okay, we have Tony, we have Juju, we have, um, we have that Sky Moore kid. Not him. There's a white. There, there is a white guy. But he's yes, that that is oh, MVS. That's not MVS. He is not a white dude. Nope. No, he's not. You're right. Oh God damn. I, I I'm telling you, it's the it's it was their number four, or number five wide receiver all all year. Okay, no wonder he's I on his he his matter. second team. The name Justin Watson. Oh, Justin Watson? This is second. Okay, okay. I know. Former Tampa I Bay Buccaneer Justin Watson. Yes. He second got, year with the Chiefs. With Tom Brady. Compare him side by side with Andre Iasovis, and I'm going, whoa, it's the same guy. So okay. just, I'm just, and all I'll say is this. I could be wrong. I'm not in the business of fifth round wide receivers. I don't care what their profiles look like unless he's like 220 pounds plus, And then I'm going, dude, this guy could be a tight end, but he's not big enough. You look at his frame, he's not big enough to be a tight end. So yeah. if he gets drafted in the third round, I'll be uh, 10% interested. But other than that, uh, he is what I call a roster clogger, Jordan. Oh, he is a all roster right, clogger. All right, all right. I, 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 just, I just dropped Lynn Bowen in a league, so I know what you're talking about. Um. That, that, is a, <laughs> that is a life clogger, and I'm a Kentucky alum, and I loved Lynn Bowden. But The craziest thing about the Lynn Bowen year was it was also the Antonio Gibson year. And you know how I told you before we came on, like I go all in on a guy, and those were the two guys that were like wide receivers they are going to be running backs. And I went all in on Lynn Bowen. And not Antonio Gibson. <laughs> so uh, I just, I think I literally just cut him from my last roster uh, yesterday. So that was fun. All right. Well, Scott's not a big fan of Andre, but we still, I, I thought it was, he's a, he's a riser for me. Somebody I put a pin in. Um, another guy I liked was uh, Jonathan Minko. I don't know if you had any notes or comments on him, but he was another guy that stood out to me at the, at the senior bowl. His footwork, the way he was – I mean, he was – he 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 told me – I talked to him, thank God. I mean, it was a cool experience. I got to talk to him. He told me he, he – you know, he played Ole Miss. He miles his game after DK and A.J. Brown. And when you watched – when he was out there, like, that's what he looked like. I mean, he looked like he was just trying to throw dudes around. He looked just like a little A.J. Brown to me. So I was like, all right. And then he was able to get a lot of separation. He was very quick on his cuts. Uh, apparently, he tested really well. Um, so I've got my eye on him as well. I didn't put him on here. Uh, any pass? Who, who's your? Oh, I lost Scott. All right. Hopefully he comes back in just a sec. Um, well, while Scott is gone, I guess I will uh, just shut up for a second. Come back, Scott. There he is. Hey, he's back. 
I was actually uh, pulling up something. There is a podcast out there, probably from three years ago, talking about how Jonathan Mingo was one of the most exciting college sophomore receivers that I was excited about. And then it, nothing really happened. His career just leveled off. So it's a name that's always been on my radar. But again, day three draft pick. We'll see. I, I'll say this. I'm not going to shit on Jonathan Mingo and Andre Isovis too much because I think this wide receiver class, after the top, I'll say top six, but that could end up being a top five. I think it's going to be all over the map. And I don't think we're going to be able to say draft capital is going to determine who's good and who's not. Look at last year. We had too arbitrary. I think that's such an. I mean, I, I think it's a great starting point, and it's a gr maybe put it at fifty percent of the coin. Even you know what I'm saying? Like that's fine, well, but like to just just go with that as like the holy word of God, it's it's just silly. You you need to have some nuance in your discussions. Well, and here's one thing I'll say because I've heard this from many people that cover the NFL draft, and from people that are actually looking at this from a different lens that we probably are. Right? Once you get to like the third and fourth round of the NFL draft. Uh, like a guy like Jordan Addison and a guy like Andre Iasovis and a guy like, I don't know, Tank Dell. The, the NFL is not viewing those three players at all at the same position. There's like four or five different types of wide receivers. And a lot of times teams will go, okay, I want this guy and I'm going to take him in round four because he can fit this spot that we need, but he doesn't play this spot. But the guy that plays in the slot only, we don't even want him. He's not a receiver that's going to be on our board. This guy returns kicks. This guy plays special teams. Like there's there's different things that you might say, okay, this is why that they matters. took this guy in round four. And then the guy that can only do one thing, maybe he has an X receiver that's just a little bit below the other X receivers that are going in the second and first round. He goes in round six. Because you know what? The only thing he can do is that. Think of like, remember Seth Williams? You remember him? Barely. Seth Williams from Auburn was a huge Debbie prospect, but ended up falling to the sixth round. I've never, I've never done drugs. It, uh, all he was, was a big, slow X receiver that could do nothing else. And you go, well, how did he fall behind this guy? Remember Danny Gray from last year went to San Francisco. He oh, was a third round pick. He's kind of like a, a can-do-everything receiver. But you don't look at his draft capital and go, well, dude, he went in the third, so he's better than this guy that went in the fifth. He probably went in the third for a reason. He shouldn't have gone in the third. I think a lot of people had him mocked in, like, the fifth or sixth. But he went in the third. He returned kicks. He played special teams. Like, he did things where the NFL is not viewing this guy as, hey, we're going to start him at wide receiver, but we're going to use him in a lot of different ways. So I think once you get to, like, round three, round four, and below – I'm not interested in those guys for dynasty only because you know what, what happens if they end up being an outlier? What happens if they end up being a Hunter Renfro? What happens the year after they produce dude, there's no way that guy can repeat it because he was a fifth round pick. So you can always buy back in on the guys that were not at the top to begin with at wide receiver. Cause they're always going to get shit on for their draft capital. So, all right. So I have a couple of comments on what you said. I'll go, I'm going to reverse go in reverse. One, you don't look for outliers. I tweeted this out the other day, and I again, I guess it's kind of like I'm just I, I fundamentally look at I try to find outliers. Like I literally, when I put together a team, like when I get to those mid or later rounds, my entire thesis is I want to find the best guy that's available right now. Like that is literally no matter where I like, and if that's gonna be an outlier, so like that's what I'm looking for. Like 
I don't want to take the highest projected guy. You know what I mean? Like if we're just going off the projections and the probabilities and all that shit, we can just fucking auto draft and full send and play best ball everything. You know what I'm saying? Have waivers run auto. I mean, just you can automate the whole fucking thing. All we got to do is lottery at the start of the year. I think looking for outliers is the whole goal. I draft, and again, that's why I go all in on my guys. I had so much Josh Jacobs last year. The narrative around Josh Jacobs last year, I mean, he was dead meat. You know what I'm saying? Like he was like, he was going like RB 18, 20, 25, 30. I don't know. I mean, it got depressingly low there for a while. And then even when well, the coach got there and threw him on the field, that's literally when I bought him was whenever he had that big run in that first preseason game and everybody on Twitter was like, it's over for him. I was like, okay, like this is what I do. And I literally went to my main dynasty league when I told you that I got the shaft in, even though it's the same team that won like every other dynasty league. And I made a move. I traded Mike Williams for Josh Jacobs straight across. Literally a consensus worst move ever kind of thing. But that's like what I do. And I I play dynasty looking for outliers. So I wanted to uh, point on that. And I, I wanted to maybe get your thoughts on that because you made it sound like too like you're you're a very fluid owner like or manager i'm sorry that's we call managers on this channel um you get a guy and you you know you want to maybe flip him and go get some other asset i'm very much like if he's on my team motherfucker, you ain't getting him unless i'm sending him to you you know what i'm saying like he was put here for a reason he's one of god's chosen you know what i'm saying like that's kind of how i am so if i get that outlier I'm a lot less likely to trade it away, but when I do, I try to trade it away at peak. Um, I did that. Another guy, again, I outlier Debo Samuel. Two years ago, I drafted him in like the eighth or ninth round of a bunch of drafts. He was like wide receiver three. So I shoot for the outliers. I think that's fun. I wanted to point out special teams. I love that you brought that up because you're right. Again, we can't just say draft capital, X receiver, you know, Mahomes is core, blah, blah. They're asked to do different things. And I wanted to, and I wanted to bring up the draft capital thing, or you know, you know, if you pass this third round, you're not gonna look at him. Think about Isaiah Pacheco. All right, he was a seventh round pick. There's, you know, they brought in Ronald Jones, they brought in, you know, CEH is there, then they also had McKinnon, you know. But he was a big part of the kick return team this year. And by doing that, and then when he got his opportunities doing the right things, suddenly you have an outlier. And not just an outlier, you have the outlier. This is maybe, this might be the infinity stone that we thought CEH was. The infinity stone that Kareem Hunt was. I'm not saying he is, but little things like that. The usage, seeing the team trust him in those situations week after week and then kind of roll him out there. Reminds me of David Johnson. Another fucking outlier and one of the first guys I ever had in fantasy. Um, so I wanted to uh, bring that up about the outliers. And then the other thing is, I feel like the NFL is skewing more pass heavy. So even some of these lower end wide receivers like a Jonathan Mingo, you know, maybe it doesn't matter. You know, maybe he goes to the Titans where they need to throw the ball to him. You know what I'm saying? Um, and he might instantly be the number two and shit. He might suddenly just be beating Traylon Burks and all of a sudden you got something. So I, I kind of do look for those outliers and I try to look for those kind of context clues that might put guys into maybe a slightly different situation than I initially thought. But any uh, rebuttals on that while I pull up our notes again here real quick? I no, love I this conversation, we, by the way. This is a damn good time. Yeah, I think with the outliers, it's more of I don't chase receivers that are outliers. And largely with receivers, I'm just looking at later draft capital. I'm not going to chase that. I do acknowledge there are hits from those ranges. There are third and fourth round receivers that are very, very sought after commodities in Dynasty now. I'm just typically not going to have those on my big board. And largely when 
lot of times the, the ones that people chase that go in those ranges are the ones that have the bigger names to begin with. So I get if you really have conviction, I'm all about in later rounds of drafts, if you have conviction on a couple players, take them in every league. Because if they hit, I would rather have this player on 10 teams because then I can go and trade half of them for a profit. And I can go, dude, I got this guy in the fourth round of every league. If I'm getting seconds for him in training camp, it's a win. And I have excess to trade. So I don't have to say, hey, my favorite sleeper was Jonathan Mingo. But I have him on every team. So I don't feel like I'm giving up on my favorite sleeper because I have to trade him in every league because that's the pragmatic thing to do. So I do think as you get later, it, it does make sense to zero in on specific players. I'm just largely going to be looking at running backs and tight ends for the most part. Tight ends in tight end premium leagues where it matters. So start two tight ends, two PPR leagues. Like that's where I'll take a shot on a lot of the Raz freak tight ends. But largely it's just running backs. So that it's not against the outlier idea. It's just I'm not taking outliers at wide receiver. All right. Give me your 30-second take on Luke Musgrave. And then we're going to talk about the running backs. And then we are going to jump into some defensive players that I had here I wanted to go over with you. And then I'll field whatever defensive questions you have for me. So what's the what's the one-minute uh, TED Talk on Luke Musgrave? Is he – Tell so me, Luke, talk to Luke me. Musgrave is uh, very, the next Kyle Pitts. very good. I won't say the next Kyle Pitts, but I think if you put the names Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, I think that's probably the, the class that you could say he might be able to get to. Uh, a 9.95 RAS score, uh, that's one of the biggest predictors um, of essentially historic tight end production. Uh, I, I'm, having, I'm actually dropping an episode this week on uh, – destination dynasty or destination Devi talking about tight ends we're gonna do a two-hour episode on tight ends jesus I've got, christ i've got the last 10 what years a or a, a last 11 years worth of tight end production uh looking at draft capital ras score and 40 time and you'd be shocked how predictive it is if if your ras score is under seven the odds that you will finish as a top 12 tight end we're talking less than four percent I mean, it, it outliers. And if I ask you, Jordan, who are the guys that have finished with multiple top 12 tight end seasons with low RAS scores? I would tell Greg you Olsen. the names. There's only a couple. Greg uh, Olson. Jordan, Jordan Reed has the lowest RAS score ever of a guy that's finished in the top 12. His RAS was, I believe, 3.79. That's crazy. And you was... remember Jordan Reed as being athletic, right? Yeah, like the, what, the Jordan Reed not at, on the field. Not yeah. at all. And then the other one is Zach Ertz, whose RAS score was still like 6.3. So not terrible. But stay tuned for this show. It's called America's Game. We're going to drop it on uh, – on, it's going to be dropping on Saturday. But all right, there's some the names on there. The definitive Dynasty tight end 2023, uh, the, book of, the book of tight end. Yeah, so Luke Musgrave is is very, very, very good, especially if you take him in the top 50 of the NFL draft, which he's going to go in the top 50. We already know that. So, yeah, if you like any tight end from last year's class, here's my big prediction. If you like any tight end from last year's class, he's head and shoulders above every one of them. You I like know. Greg Dulcich, he doesn't compare to Luke Musgrave. You like Daniel Bellinger, he doesn't compare to Luke Musgrave. If you like Isaiah Likely, I'm praying for you. Because that 4.79 RAS score is and 4.840 is not going to cut it. So you buy in, I'm 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 selling out. 
I, I, here's the thing. And my, when I hear those numbers, like I hear the four, eight and my brain is math wise. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, that probably skewed him way down. You know what I'm saying? Like what, sometimes you just have a bad run. Sometimes you just have a bad day. Sometimes you just test bad. I went and looked a uh, player right down here. And this is another side mission, but Kayshawn Butte scored fucking terrible in the RAS score. I went and looked uh, just because I wanted to see some other players who I saw these like these attributes assessed to him. He's not explosive. He doesn't. And I was like, okay, he's just kind of a boring bread and butter kind of guy. And I immediately, and people were like comping him to Jarvis Landry or whatever. So I went and looked, Jarvis Landry had an awful RAS score. I only think he scored like one or two. And I was just thinking like, I don't want, if you know, if, if you still saw the talent, like if the guy can still get open, I'm going to, I'm not going to hamstring him too much because of his athletics. I think it definitely caps what he, he can do potentially and it caps the chances he gets there but ball don't lie and i mean i sometimes it's just like that's just the science of it and i'm and i'm not a tape watcher i'm not a scout i don't watch college football but i mean i throw on the highlights i watch a little bit you know guys run around and it's like when guys are catching the ball and they're like this and it's like travis kelsey where it's like the nearest guy is like 12 feet that way there's one 13 feet that way there's one like eight feet that way, but he's not even looking over here. I saw that Butte do that and a lot of his stuff. And I'm like, you know, it's college football. I don't know the exact play, whatever, whatever. But I saw enough of that. And it seemed like before this bad score came out that he was talked about enough to where I don't want to knock him too, too much. I think I'm going to be buying the dip. Maybe he'll be one of my roster clogger guys. But do you have a an athletic indictment or response to my man here because again i think testing what if he's had a bad day you know what i mean what if he's fucking cramps you know what i'm saying like i don't know i mean i'm just saying uh, i used to go work out all the time i know you work out too scott you see you be lifting back in the, i don't know you still you still lift you look pretty big um sometimes you get you know you get a tennis elbow suddenly everything's fucked you know what i mean you got a fucking little you know you know what do they call it uh shin splints fuck me sideways you know what i'm saying like that's just it is what it is that doesn't mean you're this different person. Um, that means on this day you did not get my best, and there that's on paper, that's on that's on you know it's on black and white, it's everywhere, it's on video. I was not great that day. These are the facts. But I don't I want I want to again put a little pin in that because I immediately thought uh, I wanted to go do a little research, and there are guys that have basically zero athletic ability who have been very good in the NFL. So um, again, that's me chasing those outliers, Scott. I'm a crazy well, it I'm, it's not an outlier because I'll just say this. The RAS score in wide receiver is not that sticky. So I'm not as worried about that okay. part for wide receivers. What I am worried about with Boutte is, and it's Boutte, Butte, Booty. I believe he says it's Booty, Boot. which booty. He, he says it's Booty. Booty. So we'll right. roll with we'll roll with booty or whatever you want to say. I've well, always said right with him now. Geez, I want to be saying booty for the next ten years. <laughs> exactly. Booty catch. Exactly. It's a so booty catch. <laughs> I do think his draft capital is going to get hurt unless his he's got it. He's got a pro day, right? Like pro day is going to be huge for him. Yeah. Can he make up some of these numbers that he had here? I don't something know if he runs to too. It's something to pay attention to. I'm guessing he's going to do all this stuff again at the pro day because he wants to put something different on paper. If what you were saying is true and he just wasn't prepared. Some guys prepare like hell for the combine. Some guys show up and go, Oh, I've done this stuff before. And then uh -huh. it's like, Whoa, I'm going against guys that have trained for two months yeah. to, to jump there or Some run there just for the invite. Some of those guys, you know, or, you know, spend a whole off season just trying it, to get invited. They do. They do. Now I will say this about Boutte though. Or booty, whatever we want to call it. 
a lot of what drove him to have the name cachet that he did before this, two things. One, that's going to probably keep me from getting him because there's going to be somebody that goes, I like that name. I don't think you're going to be on an island of somebody that I like this guy. There's going to be someone in every draft that goes, I don't care if he was a third round pick, especially if he goes somewhere where it's like a decent offense. People are going to go, I got to have that guy. I'm going to take him at the 201. And you're going to go, whoa, you took him over. Tyler Boyd? You know, that's a useful piece. He could. He could. But I And I will say this. Part of the reason he was steamed up so much, as you mentioned it earlier, uh, dominator rating, breakout age, he had all that going. There's an interesting thing about his rookie or his freshman year. So if you look at his games during his freshman year, he really didn't do anything until the second half of the season. Guess what happened in like game seven of his freshman year? Mm. Terrace Marshall quit the team. After that, Boutte smashed. Now that, he was a true freshman. So you're going, dude, that's impressive that Terrace Marshall quits and he just takes over for him. That's impressive, right? Mm-hmm. But he's kind of been living on that and then he had a good start to his sophomore year. I think he played five games, was pretty good as a sophomore, and that was it. Didn't play since. Basically played a little bit last year, was in and out, played almost the entire season in terms of being there, but he had a bunch of games where he caught one ball, two balls. There was another receiver on his team that essentially took over the best receiver on the roster that's going to be coming out in 2024. So I, I'm just probably not going to be in on him because other people know the name and they're going to be higher on him. So I, we'll see. This is when we can circle back and you know I might have 10 shares of booty in August going, what the hell was I talking about? Yeah, so. he might be one of these guys you find laying around the waiver wire, you know, in a year that, you know, you're just like, hey, let's see what happens, you know. Uh, all right, so I, I feel like everybody's talked to running backs. They've talked to death, but give me your, you know, talk, talk to me about Jameer Gibbs. He ran the, a really fast 40. What's like a 4-3, something like that. Um, his speed score over here from Scott Barrett, for anyone who cares for that, was super high, uh, 110.1. Um, Alabama running back, so he's got the pedigree. He's got the, you know, the the brand name. Um, you know, he can play football the way you know most NFL coaches are going to want. He's fast. He's athletic. You know, he's running back two now, or is that still Cabernet? Or what were we thinking here? And I just want to let's just let's hit the highlights on the running backs, and we'll cover these uh, defenders for the last 10, 15 minutes. And we'll make this easy. Uh, I think we're kind of wasting our time debating Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs. They're clearly RB1, RB2. They're going to both go off the board another probably 40 picks before the third running back goes. I, I Gibbs is kind of like the consolation prize it, it that you would take if you can't get Bijan. But I, I don't really think there's much. I, I see people out there. I'm sure you see it on Twitter too where people do a 16 tweet thread on Bijan Robinson. And it's like, dude. You you just wasted an hour because no they didn't they're, they're smarter than us because they're getting the the almighty all powerful impression. I, Scott. I guess that might be it, but I'm looking at you're that going. Right. I, I didn't learn anything from that, right? I know he's good. Oh, there's that nothing you learn. There's Scott, nothing you can you tell me. There's nothing you can tell me that can convince me that he is really damn good to where you're convincing me he's going to make the Hall of Fame. Because I think there's a lot of it that's just unknown in that range. They're both really good. I don't even think we really need to go any further on. Yeah. I mean, they'll be better than J.K. Dobbins, probably be better than Travis Etienne, you know, other guys who in the past have gone very high. Um, I like the fact that in Superflex, 
this year we do have enough good quarterbacks to where Jameer Gibbs and some of these rookie drafts is probably gonna get pushed down to that like six, maybe seven spot. And that's gonna be some that's gonna be a moneymaker for a lot of these dynasty teams that you know didn't win anything this year, but you know, still have a good setup going. So um shout out to y'all who got those mid-round picks i would be looking for jameer gibbs unless you are you know obviously you want to get that quarterback but hopefully you're locked and loaded at quarterback because you are smart okay so you want to talk about some defenders so i pulled a handful of guys in here who i think had some value moves uh over the last year so i took mostly the dl position so i got george carl loftus aiden hutchinson Alex Highsmith. Okay, these are all really young guys. Aiden Hutchinson and Carl Loftus, both rookies this last year. Both um, were first-round draft picks. Both had really good seasons. Alex Highsmith, uh, his third year, I believe, with the Chiefs this year, or not the Chiefs, the Steelers this season, uh, had one of the highest sack totals in the league. So let's talk about them. I'm bullish on all three of these guys. I'm going to pull up their, their production profiles here from the index real quick, just so we can kind of look. Um, so what I'm bullish on about Carl Loftus is 730 snaps. The Chiefs need a pass rusher. Frank Clark is pushing 30. Chris Jones is getting older. Carlos Dunlop, you know, God God bless his soul. Thank God he got a Super Bowl ring. Uh, you know, he's what, 32, 33. This dude played 730 snaps as a freshman. And what I love is if you look at this chart, 21 points at pass deflections from an edge player. That's going to compensate a lot of points for only having 33 tackles, young man. So I want his tackles to go up. I want his overall uh, just points to go up just in general based on his snaps. But for a rookie to get out there that much, he did have meaningful plays. I like that. Uh, 0.29 points per snap down here in the right corner. I think it's basically a lock that he's going to uh, increase that probably up to like 2.5, uh, which is a pretty good number for defensive end. But with the 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 variety of things he can do you'll see some of these production profiles that have only a couple of these you know things that some of these players can do just i think this new edge player is a dynamic player um and i think it compensates for some of these lack of tackles so 730 snaps as a rookie i like carl loftus um another guy i want to talk about all three of these rookies real quick and then i'll take any questions on those guys aiden hutchinson another rookie edge player again I love one of the things I love about him is fuck ton of snaps. He played 958 edge snaps. Uh, pretty pretty profile here. You know, three interceptions. Again, these these rookie these young edge players. They're not just running in straight lines. Okay, gone are the days of you know just being a Miles Garrett where you only go one direction. You only go after the quarterback. These guys are dynamic. They're falling back into coverage. They're making de decent plays. 52 tackles. Again, he did play quite a few more snaps than my, my fellow there. But 0 .22 points per snap. That's a solid number. I think Hutchinson is on a huge trajectory forward this next year. And then I'll talk about Highsmith. This is the other guy I'm bullish on. And you might be able to get him at a discount just because he's the second guy, you know, behind TJ Watt and really behind Cam Hayward. But do not sleep on Alex Highsmith. High tackle numbers, uh, 63 this last year. 14 and a half sacks, play a ton of edge snaps. Again, if you get these edge guys that are pushing up past 800, that's basically a set and forget guy unless he fucking sucks. Um, production profile, not quite as diverse, but we don't need it to be when you're getting, you know, 14 and a half sacks. And you can see 0.27 points per snap. That's pushing in on an elite IDP number. And I like to do points per snap. We don't really do that in offense, but for defense, you know how the reductive 
people some of the reductive people that speak on idp are like just follow the snaps and it's just it's just gaslighting basically because then they don't tell you anything about the snaps so that's why i like i like ID, idp one two three scoring because you have an actual reference for what everything is and then you can just break it down by how this guy do on a per snap basis and then if i know he plays 60 snaps and i know he generally for three years he's put up 0.25 i know that's going to be better than what most people play these are easy things we can teach people how to do idp more effectively um so yeah there's a good those are three guys i'm very bullish on at edge questions thoughts comments before we jump into some other things no you actually this was going to be the topic i brought up to you because i still play all of our leagues we don't do any sort of we're we, we keeping the same positional setup since 2017 when we started so we we just roll with and it's a commissioner discretion uh, we just roll with whatever like my fantasy league rolls with for the position designations. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they recently changed the whole thing where they took all of the three, four linebackers and they just made them defensive ends and the defensive ends. Some went to defensive tackle. And so I have a couple rosters where it's like, dude, now all of a sudden I have 10 defensive ends and four linebackers or five linebackers because a lot of position changes. So yeah. this, this is actually perfect for me because there are some, some moves I want to try to make, and this is exactly what I needed. So I'm just sitting back and listening. I'm actually pulling up my leagues right now. All right. Seeing if there's a move I can make. So keep going. I'll just keep riffing. I'll riff through these next four, and then I'll take, like, literally hit me with specific trade questions, anything you got. Like, I'm a fucking, I'm ready, dude. I stay ready. So we'll talk Chase Young next. This guy, literally, there's a video on our channel over a year ago, probably 18 months ago. I said, get rid of Chase Young and Dynasty. I didn't care how high he was taken. I said, there are red flags all over this guy's production profile. And every single year that has proven to be true. He did put up a pretty good 0.25 points per snap as a rookie. But he did that. He did that on a lot of disruptive plays. That defensive line in general is very disruptive. So I, I do kind of not dock that. But he didn't make a lot of necessarily independent plays. Uh, he was involved in a lot of disruptive stuff. Only... 12 quarterback hits that was the number and that's a number that always scares me i don't like pressures because pressures are made up they're subjective i don't give a fuck if pff pays everybody to make them up whatever quarterback hits happen okay somebody touched that man he played a 16 game season and touched the quarterback 12 times as the 10 what two three that's a red flag i don't care how many points he put up so i called that and i said get rid of him to all my peeps uh, some people listen, some people didn't. Since then, it's been an absolute disaster. Aside from the injury, just in general, on a points per snap basis, it's abysmal. And that's the thing that's nice about points per snap. We don't have to look at the whole season. We don't have to look at the whole game. If he's going out there just to play the pass rushing snaps, great. Let's see how he's doing on his snaps. 0.15. That's a terrible number. And then the last time he saw the field, it was, again, not very many snaps, 115. But that's basically two games, three maybe games at age, depending on how much they played him putting up 0.1 points per snap they've already said they're probably not going to take his fifth year option if you have him anywhere which you probably don't because you probably didn't pay up for him get rid of him don't buy this is not a buy low on chase young situation this is a get the fuck out stay the fuck away situation kind of like a bradley chubb situation and a marcus davenport situation um all right so deshaun elliott i called oh i have such a good marcus davenport date but i'll save that for a minute um so deshaun elliott this is a guy i love the detroit safety i would been in on deshaun elliott for a little while uh he did play for the ravens um just a good safety when when uh 
when my man Tracy Walker went down, he immediately stepped up. And the thing with him is just these points per snap, 0. 0.3. That's 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 the elite number. That's what I call the elite. That's basically, if you're getting that, you are a locked and loaded, like probably going to be a top 12 guy in that week kind of situation. Yeah, a lot of his on solo tackles, but that's okay. There was enough going on here. Um, and you can look at some of his older profiles, a little bit more diverse in the numbers. Uh, not quite as many snaps because he was playing with um, Chuck Clark and I forget who else was there. But still, 0.23, a, a decent number uh, for anybody. And 0.17, not necessarily great. Um, then his rookie year, he only played a handful of snaps, but he was very impactful. So I like him. Tracy Walker gets back out there. I think Deshaun Elliott and Tracy Walker next season are going to be a safety tandem that we talk about. Um, or that maybe the the narrative, maybe the narrative will pick up around. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, the NFL has to, has to, you have to be made sometimes to get in the conversation. So, but, you know, they, they're doing a lot of things right. That's already the second Detroit Lion on this list. Pay attention. All right. All right. Quay Walker. I put him on here because I just wanted to include a rookie linebacker. Um, he, he was, he was good. You know, I don't really have a lot of things to say about him. He was good. He probably won't have a lot of name value yet or recognition because Devondre Campbell is still one of the best linebackers in football. He was there last year, played a lot for them. Uh, but if you're looking for a young guy who might be floating around there on the end of somebody's bench in your dynasty leagues and they just don't think about him unless they're a Green Bay fan, he's somebody I'll be poking around because you could be looking at, you know, you could be looking at a Devin White kind of guy where it's just like you can set him and forget him for a handful of years and you just lock that spot up. All right. And then my last guy I want to talk about is another guy we're getting out of, and we've been out of this business in the IDP Army. That's Fred Warner. Fred Warner, who you will hear often touted as, I hear it as the faithful mirage, never fails. I've been writing the same thing for years. He's never been a top 15 linebacker, and that was in 2020. He still hasn't been a top 15 linebacker in the last two years either. You'll hear people in the dynasty community be like, oh, Fred Warner, he's one of the best linebackers for IDP. That's the that's the subliminal psyops of PFF and you know what's his face the smooth jazz of um oh Chris Collins were telling you oh Fred Warner here's a guy one of the best coverage linebackers in football and then PFF throws out the metrics and you can retweet it because you're a Niners fan and you can be like Fred Warner's good he's really not that great um, he makes play some. I mean, he only made 17 plays this year that weren't tackles you know what I mean that's an impact play he's just not doing a lot. Um, and that just through his whole career, 15 and a half, 17, 24. The one year that he had a really good season in, in, in uh, impact plays, he had nine pass deflections that year. That's why, you know what I mean? And then seven tackles for a loss. But since then, he, he he's one of these guys that never misses an assignment. He's like a, a Tremaine Edmonds. They're great linebackers for people that want to masturbate to PFF. But if you want a game wrecking fuck you up linebacker fred warner ain't it he doesn't have the he doesn't he's not made the same stuff that Evan white is he's not made the same stuff roquan smith is different whole different thing so um for me he's like a back end linebacker too but again a lot he's been touted by so many people in the idp community as a linebacker one and it's just one of these things that i just i just have to say it anywhere i can get rid of fucking fred warner and don't believe the hype um and that is my dissertation on the landscape of dynasty defenders <laughs> good shit man i got Desha i actually have deshaun elliott in every league i did buy into the give me the detroit safeties for like the last three years and it's paid yep. off everyone walker's a beast too 
I had all the Tracy Walker had, and I actually cut Tracy Walker when he tore his Achilles. And I'm going, oh, he's never going to come back. And you know, pick him up. He comes there. So I, well, it, too late. Someone else already picked him up. But it normally, ah. when when something like that happens, guy tears an Achilles. He's 28 years old. I go, he's done. So Dude, you know, safeties, safeties don't don't die. Malcolm Jenkins, he could still play if he wanted to. Tyron Matthew, that's the thing. Like some of these, this, it's funny. Like playing both sides of the ball, you really hone in on specific positions. Safeties never fucking go away till they just be like, I'm done. There's always somebody that's just like, you can be like a backup, what the fuck ever. And all of a sudden he's out there. I mean, look at um, oh, the other Alabama guy that just went back to the New York Giants. He just left Washington again. Uh, Collins, Landon Collins. Suddenly Landon Collins is just right back in the mix on the same old team he was after how many Achilles leg injuries, all stuff. So uh, uh, safeties are definitely built different. Um, speaking of which, I actually just retweeted my man Jamal Adams. He's on the treadmill, y'all. So go be go be making some of them cheap low ball offers. All right. If they if it doesn't feel scummy, it's not dirt, it's not low enough. Uh so send them out so, and get you So you think a guy like Harrison Smith, if he goes somewhere else, you don't care. Harrison Smith is a special player. I honestly don't think he will go any No, no, no. I would still he's still a top tier guy for me. Jordan Poyer, same thing. Because the skill set those guys have, they've done it enough years with enough different things around them. And again, I could pull up their production profiles, but I won't because you have access to them. So you can go check them out. But everybody that wants to see them, go subscribe to our Patreon or become a member of the channel. But you can see year over year. I mean, these guys have eight, nine, ten years of history. Eventually, a guy shows you who the fuck he is. You know what I mean? And that's just where I'm at with like a lot. Of, you know, when you're on the field. That's what I watch and that's what I see and that's what I judge, you know, and that's what you put on paper and what you're going to feel. And that's why, like, I have, I have, like, somebody called it a vendetta or a personal war. I don't have a personal war with PFF, but they sell an information entertainment product like it's scientific data. And that bothers me because I actually do work for a, you know, like the, uh, the uh, University of Michigan Institute for um, Social Research, which is an actual scientific organization, which like studies, you know, data and information. So I like understand like how, like what needs to be put into something to be like an actual scientific, like validated sort of process, peer reviewed. And I know that again, PFF is making up information yeah i mean it's validated through their internal systems but it's an information product so i just have such a huge issue with people coming at me with the pff pressure numbers and the pff sack numbers and tackle for loss numbers and i'm like those aren't real they're literally fake they're subjective if you go to pro football if you go anywhere else any other data provider the numbers are different than pffs so why do I have to have a fucking conversation with you about fake made up shit? So anyway, um, and again, that's where we're at. Fred Warner, he's so fucking good. Yeah, he's great for PFF. Look at Jesse Bates. He was the best. He was the best safety in football two years ago. What happened? Motherfucker barely got any money this last year. Fell off. AJ Johnson, best linebacker in football. Never saw him again. Roquan Smith, he's not even a top 200 defender. Highest paid linebacker in football. What's up, Scott? What's down? Do we need to pay PFF to tell us what's up and down? It, uh, you hit a. Uh, I do think Jesse Bates is going to get paid, but that's. Oh, yeah. I, I had four players I wanted to ask you about, and these are going to. If you say I have no opinion because they're irrelevant, or I got an I, opinion. Okay, so a couple guys that I'm wondering what the, these are going to be like. I'm wondering what to do with, or do I buy more? 
because I'm in like half a dozen IDP leagues, right? And I, I'm okay with, if you tell me, go get this guy in every league, then I'm like, okay, I, I can follow that. I don't have enough yeah. leagues to go. I'm going to diversify here, here. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, so I have four names. Uh, Aziz Ojolari. I like him. That's he a guy you probably can get for a draft pick in this class. And someone might go, okay, I'm willing to trade him because I want a running back or a tight end or something like that. So you'd be on board with buying then, yeah? Yeah, and I, you could probably get him very cheap. Uh, definitely good trajectory. And they just put Kayvon Thibodeau across from him. And I think they're going to get something new for that interior too. So he's got a trajectory that is uh, looking positive, And he's got quite a bit of grass in front of him. All right, next one. Joseph Osai. That's another good name. Now he's the one who he had the play. He, right? He's known he, for the penalty on Mahomes, but he yeah, okay, really okay, came okay, on the second that. half of the year. That he's a great player and he's an ascending player, and they need they need him to rush the passer. But he's kind of a pass rushing specialist. Mm -hmm. um, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson are in front of him. That being said, both those guys are veterans. Both those guys are good. Both those guys have been on this team as they've made multiple Super Bowl runs. I think that those guys are not necessarily going to be around for the rest of forever. And I think Asai is going to push into that. Not somebody I preach about or talk about a lot, but he's another one of these guys. Yeah, I do think uh, he's one of these developmental pass rushers that when he gets his opportunity, he's going to be a name that we're going to, you're going to want on your team more than, more than you don't. And you, I know you play in a lot of, you know, when you say IDP, I know you're playing in pretty deep leagues just in general. So I know that he's going to, he's not going to be somebody you want laying around on waivers. No, all of mine are at least like 14 starters and yeah. So, yeah, really, really huge rosters. So. Keep, keep him around. I wouldn't necessarily go go crazy trying to get him because he is, again, maybe one of the guys that he might end up getting dropped by somebody that's not you know a sly on yep. the slide. So. All right, two more names. This one's from last year. This is the one of the rookies that I drafted last year, like four of my six leagues. I know he was hurt a little bit, but just did absolutely nothing. Channing Tindall? I do not know much slash anything about him. Okay. Um, what, I, team, what team is he on? He was on third round pick to the Dolphins last year. And I, yeah, I read a Dolphins couple good things did. about him, and I'm like, okay, I'll just take Dolphins, this guy and no. The only player you want on the Dolphins defense, the only players you want are their safeties and maybe Christian Wilkins. Other than that, they do weird stuff. Through the whole Brian Flores era, they did weird stuff. They're pulling in Van Ginkle. They're throwing. Ogba got hurt, but they're just they're just doing a lot. They just had Jalen Phillips, and they had, there was another guy there too. Who's the other? Uh, they have a lot going on there. They have a lot of talent, so I don't think he's necessarily somebody that's going to get a lot of opportunities to prove himself. And he could be, you know, just I just don't think he's in a good situation just based on what's around him there. Okay, and then last one: uh, Do I sell Bobby Okereke if he goes somewhere else? Oof. You know, I just sounds dropped. like he is going to get paid. I just dropped EJ speed because I was kind of feeling like Bobby Okereke. I feel like he's going to be kind of one of the heir apparent for, you know, I don't know how long Darius Leonard is for this world. Um, at least the NFL media world, you know, uh, he might end up sticking around there because they got rid of Anthony Walker too. I mean, he's kind of like their main veteran guy at this point. I, I just, what I read today was that he, he's seeking a, Roquan plus deal, and it. I don't think the Colts are going to keep him. Oh, Grecky, it, it he's crippin'. I I don't know if he'll get it, but it, the the word I mean, was he's going to get paid. That's how you go to the negotiating table, and that is the thing. A lot of people are like, "Oh, linebackers are replaceable." Blah blah. I'm like, 
the right guy in the right system is irreplaceable it's priceless okay and that's just what you gotta understand you know um so i don't i don't know we'll and see I, we well seen, here's the, and here's the thing is the linebacker franchise tag is over 20 million because the edge rushers are lumped in there so every yeah. one of these guys okariki jermaine so pratt none of those guys are, are gonna resign because they're like well I'm not getting franchise tagged. So unless you're paying me, I'm going to at least take a shot to hit the market. I, now, mm -hmm. the market might not be $20 million, but it's not going to be $20 million. is a good one to keep around. He, not this year, but two years ago, he was one of my favorite sleeper uh, picks of the season. Uh, he had a good year, and he's been solid since then. Like you said, he, he's a playmaker. Um, you know, I just I don't like watching the Colts play football, so I don't have like a very strong take or strong feel about him. But on the teams I have him on, he's one of those guys again where he's generally a linebacker I'm putting into my lineup, um, unless I'm totally stacked. You know, that three four guy, he's he's been reliable. So if he goes to the right spot, um, and again that would pretty much be anywhere that's going to pay him. Yeah, I would I would keep him around. Now the flip side of that is. You might, I would maybe try to, you know, if you if you can get that wind, you know, with a guy like that, you kind of have to think, is this his moment, you know? Because there was that, some people had to figure that out with Foisade Olakun this last two years. Is this a real thing? Is this his moment? Do I sell him as a top linebacker to some putts who's going to get some guy that's going to fall off? Or is this actually happening? And do I ride this out? And while... I believe in Olakun and because you know he got paid and all that and, and it's just kept that train just kept rolling. The Bobby Okrecki train, you're gonna have to decide at that point if you think it's gonna keep rolling. Cause I because if it doesn't keep rolling for any period of time, he's one of those guys where he's not gonna hold his name value. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? He's gonna it's gonna it's not gonna be a slow rug down to zero. It's gonna be a fucking like you never hear from him again, Alex Singleton situation until he pops up, you know, in 2025 for a 20 tackle game. Um, so that's shit, uh, I don't I, I don't like that I am not as pro Okreki, but I you know again knowing the leagues that you're in and just again the, how you play the dynasty market if you're thinking like that already about him maybe somebody else's and maybe that's an opportunity um, and I imagine you've already reaped quite a bit of rewards that's another thing I always think about too in dynasty is like have I had this player's best year have I had two years like or did I just put him on my team and I trade him for somebody else I hate doing that shit unless it's like somebody I'm intentionally doing that for. When I put a player on my team, like I would like to harvest some value. I'd like to get three, four or five years out of Mike Evans. And then I'd still like to trade him for a second, maybe a first if I can, you know what I mean? Versus do that two or three years ago. I mean, I've gotten the back-to-back -back last two years, you know, 130 plus tackles both years. I'm like, I'll, I'll take it. You know what I mean? I've gotten yeah. the last two years. So if I could sell him as, hey, someone's going to let me reroll and give me you know, a top 15 pick or, you know, a package of picks or something like that. I, may I don't think it. you'll get a pick that high. Again, if you could sell, if you can sell Bobby O'Krecki like that, do that. That's the yep. play. But if not, you're in a good spot. I wouldn't be too ambitious to sell him. So fair. Those were All the right, names. Well, oh, what you got? What you got? No, those were the names. Those are the ones Excellent. I had written down. Fuck yeah. Well, this has been a damn good time, Scott. We definitely need to chop it up more. Um, I, uh, I usually do solo pods, which is a fucking... It's not great, Bob. Um, it's sometimes hard to get yourself psyched up. Sometimes it's hard to keep yourself on track. Sometimes it's hard to get your notes and your computer and dirt, 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 dirt. Um, but it's nice to like have a conversation with somebody who is as obsessed with fantasy football as I am and really about it, not just talking about it on Twitter, not just showing off how cool they are. Look at me. 
It's just like, no, like you love fantasy football, you love football, and that's not even a question. That's just how it is. Um, and that's how I am. So that's obvious in our energy tonight. Um, any final words to or thoughts or comments? Any final big picture thing? What's coming up for you? Uh, what are you watching in free agency? You want to comment at all on Derek Carr and Geno Smith before we get out of here? We started with quarterbacks. Might as well end with them, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, there's going to be a lot that changes between now and even before the draft. There's going to be so much that changes. I, I will just say this. I think we're in a world now where, especially if you're a content creator, if you have a following, if you have a Patreon, if you have people that kind of want your opinions on stuff as soon as it happens, sit back and think about it. You don't have to be the first person to put something out there. You don't have to be the first person that puts something wild out there on Twitter and just hope that it blows up. You know, sit back, process it. I'll go to like our little group, like, you know, our, our niche community or whatnot. I'll be real with them, you know, and I'll say, you know, this does, I, you'll get my immediate reactions mm -hmm. when it comes to like the public. I try to, I, I'm much better now than I was a couple years ago about just, Hey, I, I used to tweet a hundred times a day. Now it's like a couple times, you know, like once or uh, twice, three times, maybe, maybe I'll go back and <laughs> forth, but just, you it's don't have to time. have the first opinion, have a well thought out opinion and a quality opinion. I will say it has gotten me a lot further being that versus I'm just the biggest mouth that gets the most likes, retweets, whatever it is. Have well, a thought out that, opinion. That's the thing. Like that, that has become the game now. It's not add value. It's not have an edifying, meaningful conversation. It's not have public discourse. It is, it's just high school never ends, bowling for soup. You know what I'm saying? It's just find the popular kids, find the popular metrics, and then gaslight everybody else. Make sure you get in that group. And if you see a chance to go kick somebody else down and make sure it's like us and them, be sure you with them. You know what I'm saying? Or not with well, them. and I'll just say this. There's been a lot of people that have jumped into the fantasy space or the dynasty space in the last year or two. And it's, it's doing. well, but it's a meteoric rise from like, you know, Grinding. They just they just create their account, and a year later, somebody is hiring them for this job the or best, that job. The best in the business is well, my favorite. And a lot of times, that is they're good at social media engagement. They know how to present themselves in a way where a bigger website or bigger company is going to go, okay, I'll take a shot on them. But then you know what? A lot of times, they either just linger there because when they get to a big company or whatever, it's like, okay, are, was this person – are they able to sustain the substance to why we picked them in the first place versus, I mean, how many people out there are lingering? I have a lot of friends that are in like the media industry, radio industry, stuff like that. There's a lot of people that have 25 years experience and they've kind of all stayed in the, or they've stayed in the same range, right? They're, they're mm -hmm. never the one that gets the big job or is yeah. leading the content at this big site or something like that. But they're reliable. Like they can step up and do the job. And it just feels like there's a lot of people that have come in, rose to the top, and now they're gone. And it and it part of it was what I they know were doing. Exactly what you're talking about. What they're but what they were doing was not sustainable. But also, I think the biggest thing is I love this stuff. You said earlier, you know, why aren't you doing fantasy full time? First of all, I I've always refrained from that being one of my goals. I don't want it to ruin my love of it. If yeah. you told me, Hey, I mean, I, I work a full-time job. I have a really good job. I love my career. I would not give it up for fantasy. But part of that is because I need to compartmentalize dynasty and fantasy. 
and my real job. And here's the thing. If you ever told me, hey, I'm going to go pay you X amount of dollars and your favorite fantasy analyst that works full time at a big website, they are not making as much as you think they are. Oh, their I job know. is not. That. You know their, that. Their job is not as glamorous as it looks on Twitter. They are spending nine. I wouldn't say ninety percent, but over half of their time up late Most at right. night grinding an article that they have to write, and it's due tomorrow they morning. Have to write. They absolutely hate it because I. I mean, I write periodically, write. and you know what I don't like doing? Sitting down and writing because someone told me it needs to be in by seven a.m. tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm an artist. I'm an artist, bro. I'm not. A, I'm not in production. Call but but that's the thing that. is. It's not that glamorous, and there's nothing worse than if I said, Jordan, I'm going to pay you $60,000 to work at this website, but you owe me five podcasts a week, 10 articles a week. Literally, we can stop right there. (laughs) And and really, what you're going to have to do is I'm paying you 60 grand for full time, right? But you're really going to have to put... And you're going to have to put in about 70 hours a week. I need you to be on Twitter during the games on Sunday constantly. Promote. So you can't really watch them. You got to be no. on there promoting our brand and, you know, having our brand. Like, there it is. That's the key ha- right there. Having takes on everything. Like this is all part of your job. You don't get a break and you can't. Yeah, that's really, nothing too. It never ends. Again, we talked about can't the, really the, stop. the football cycle doesn't stop. It's a 24 7 news cycle. Adam Schefter is up at three in the morning tweeting. You got to be up at three in the morning tweet too. Sorry. And, and you know what? Adam Schefter's not doing it for no 60 grand. So that yeah. there's a there's a big difference between the, the my, I'll wrap of... this, I'll wrap the point up here. The idea that someone would be able to kind of hold that over me and force me to do X, Y, and Z for another website for something that I have no chance of ever owning or being able to distribute and make money off of. It's literally all I'm doing is working for hours. Like the uh, Smart man once told me, you know, the worst thing you can do is just work yourself to death when you're making money only when you work an hour. At some point, when are you able to make some money without having to put in the 30 minutes of work to make 30 minutes worth of income? That's not sustainable. Not if you have kids, not if you have a family, not if you have other hobbies. So never will it be, hey, you're working full time in the fantasy industry, but it's 75 hours a week. And then you know what I'm going to hate if I do that? actually play in the fucking game to begin with right the last thing i want to do is go grind dynasty trades and set lineups because my entire week has been trying to do that for other people so that's that's a long spiel it's just a rant that i i just see a lot of people i see kids coming into we see how many people are on social media that are young in their teens and they're great at social media they're great Mm -hmm. at marketing themselves and they want to be a full-time fantasy football analyst. And it's like, stick that on the side. Do as much as you can there. Make some side income. Make enough money to where, hey, you can take your fit, kids and family on a vacation. Play as in many leagues as you want. You have no problem covering the buy-ins. You can make decent money in the fantasy industry. But as mm-hmm. soon as you say, that's all I'm going to do, that's going to be my future career, you better have a business plan in mind to say, like, I'm creating a brand that eventually I can either sell or I can, you know, distribute on a large level where I can start hiring people, you know, like it has to get to that point where you're going, okay, I actually own something versus I'm just working for this big site and they're paying me a salary and they're working me to death. Bro, music to my ears. I mean, again, you, you know me, I mean, I'm over here in my little corner. There's the IDP army is it. I don't, you know, there is no, 
no 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 DLF or no FTN. There's no fantasy pros. There's no dynasty nerds. There's nobody in my pocket. There's no hand up my ass. Tell me what to say. Tell me where to go. Um, and I've been like that for a reason, because like you said, like I got into that situation for a minute and I started being thrown into conversations with people. And I was like, I'm not that person. And I don't want you to if you think of that person and me in the same thought then I have misrepresented what I'm trying, what's happening here and what I'm bringing to the table because that's fucking garbage over there, motherfucker. Don't you ever be like you and him be the same. Nuh-uh, you ain't paying no attention. Um, so I'll take my shit somewhere else and pedal it, you know, and that's what I did. And we're fucking slow and steady. Um, again, I know the cycles. I know it's just we're one, we're one fantasy football influencer away from IDP, literally going mainstream. It is skewing younger. And people are looking for that new hit, you know, the Debbie, you know, the Debbie's cut a little bit now or three years in, you know, it just don't hit the same. Those dopamine receptors just don't get it the way they used to. All right. Um, you know, people are looking for the next thing. Best ball. I mean, now we're all best ball vets, you know, best ball many three. I mean, I've been playing best ball my whole life. I'm a best ball genius. You know, you got to draft this strategy. And if you don't, you're a putz. Um, I know everything. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, it's a good damn time. Um, I, I like the industry overall. I like the idea of people. I'm always talking to them. What the fantasy industry is today is not what it's going to be tomorrow. It's not what it's going to be in five, ten years. Not if I'm around. So I'm taking it some places. So, final thoughts before I shut us out. No, man, we got to do this again. Uh, we don't wait two years. If All not right. re- later this summer, we're definitely doing it yearly, but maybe we'll get back together uh, this summer when it's that dead period before the season. So great conversation, my friend. All right, IDP Army, until next time, peace out. Check out the podcast.